Hi, I'm Rebecca Roundtree, host of This Way Up. In this series, I talk to a number of leading women in the creative industry, looking specifically at the good, the bad, and the ugly of their career. I first started reaching out to these women out of frustration. Frustration at the lack of diverse voices and role models in this industry. I was continually trying to look up for guidance, someone to relate to, but these role models seemed few and far between. I felt I had to address this. So I decided to interview this rare group of leading women, asking them honest questions about their careers. Lo and behold, they all had amazing, powerful stories to tell. Stories of struggle, stories of empowerment, and stories about finding their voice. I believe it's by sharing frank stories that we can collectively support each other. It's those valuable insights that make the journey up a little less hard. First up, we have a special from Can Lions, where I interview Katie Alonso. Katie is a group strategy director at Droga 5, and we talked honestly about her fascinating career journey, her Can Lions talk, and the importance of showing your vulnerable side at work. That's enough from me. Let's go straight to Katie. Katie, thank you so much for uh, doing this interview for This Way Up. Um, as you know, uh, I like to start with a sort of simple description of who you are and uh, why you're here at Can Lions. Yeah, so I'm Katie Alonzo. I'm a group strategy director at Droga5. Um, I lead the IHOP business, um, which I don't know if you guys saw IHOP a couple weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, Worked on that. Um, and then also CoverGirl. And yeah. so I'm, I'm here at Can on a panel with my client, Ukanwa Ojo, um, Issa Rae, and then um, Michelle Lee, who's the editor of Allure, and that's on Friday. Yeah, well, we'll definitely touch on that because that's, it's a fascinating talk. But I'd love to start with your humble beginnings. So where did you grow up? Um, so I'm actually from McAllen, Texas, um, which is in the Rio Grande Valley, which is on the border of the U.S. and Mexico in South Texas. Yeah. And so unless you're from there, you probably have no idea that it exists unless you've actually been reading the news in the United States, I would say, in the past couple of weeks. But um, it's a very kind of remote part of the country. And for me, it was, it was a lot more like Mexico than it was the United States, partly because we're so remote from the rest of the country. Mm-hmm. And so I actually very specifically studied advertising when I went to college. Um, I, it didn't fall into it. It was a very choiceful decision for me. Um, partly because, you know, mass culture for me, um, the movies and the TV that I watched, it didn't look anything like the world that I grew up in. But the ads I could see, and then I could see the products on the shelves. Yeah. And so I could see the Jack in the Box ads, which I absolutely love, um, which my IHOP client Brad Haley right. made. Um, and I could see those Jack in the Box ads, and then I could go to Jack in the Box. Yeah. Um, so for me, there was always that connection that I had between what I saw on television, and like that was, and commercial culture was the only way for me to kind of like really touch it. Yeah. Um, so you were fascinated by that, yeah. but um, in what way exactly? Were you sort of wanting to change it or wanted it to be part of it? Or I don't know. You know, it's like so much of what I do now is, you know, not necessarily changing it, but bringing more kind of points of view to it, yeah. um, bringing a lot of humanity to it, but also just 
thinking about the world differently. Yeah. Um, but I was so attracted to it because I understood its power. I think, um, you know, there, there, I think oftentimes in this business, we can be quite worthy about what we do, but also at the same time I do what I love the most about this business actually is that, um, and I think that you take for granted if you're not part of mainstream culture that actually like we do in, in a degree kind of shape the images and the things that people see and repeat. Um, so we do have, we do have the power to validate culture or the the power to actually progress certain cultural values that we do believe in just because we invest in those images. Yeah. So going back to your timeline, you were an anomaly Mm -hmm. and then what made you think, okay, I'll go to Dogger 5? I think it was, it's a, they're very different agencies. Yeah. I think um, for me, it was very the, the scale of Droga. Yeah. I feel in terms of what that work kind of meant in the world. Yeah. I think of thing like things like Honey Made had come out, and for me, I was always someone who was very, very culturally driven. Yeah. Um, and so I had the business background at Anomaly, just because yeah. you work differently there. You work very upstream. Um, I think on on everything Can you, you do. Can you explain that a bit more? What do you mean by upstream? In- in terms of what is it data led or is it more less than culturally? We always had data there. I yeah. think it data was I think eight years ago not the thing that it is now. Yeah. But we I think um, they probably recognized that really early on. I think the data strategy practice yeah. has been there for I think for over eight years. But um, it's, it's just different in the sense that there's um, very much a focus on things like innovation strategy, which I did. Yeah. Um, for I think most of the time I was there. And you learn kind of like everything about a brand, mm. the, it, it, right? When you work as a strategist at Anomaly, I think you have to you have to understand um, not just you know how brands work in advertising, but you also have to understand the commercial context. Yeah, um, and that was something that Carl and Jason kind of always and Johnny Vulcan always talked about was you know you have to actually understand the difference between profit revenue. And then actually how these things get made in factories, right. you know, if it's something like a CPG or, or that sort of thing. Because if you want to really look at something from a business perspective, you have to actually understand the business. Yeah. And so I think the, what I love so much about Drug5 yeah. and the leadership style and the, the style of senior management is that it is very much of work your way through it. Yeah. And um, we're here to help you. Yeah. And so it was, it was something that was very much modeled to me, I think, especially from my boss, Johnny. Um, I think, you know, for him, he was just like, look, it's okay. He was like, at the, you know, you're, you're making all the, you're, you're seeing a lot of the right things. You're seeing a lot of the right sorts of choices, but you have to see yourself as someone who brings everyone on a vision. Um, it's really important as you become more senior to sort of realize that it is sometimes okay to fail yeah. and that you're not going to be sent back and sent away. Yeah. And that's really interesting because, um, I actually, uh, sort of connect with that because I'm yeah. the same. I just always been extremely ambitious because yeah. I wanted to sort of get the job. Yes. But it's interesting to me that the more sort of senior you are, the, uh, the more you should allow yourself to fail. I mean, you know, culture or that society tells you that uh, it shouldn't be like that. You should yeah. be young and fail, and yes. then you just grow more experience. So can yeah. you sort of unwrap that a bit more? Yeah, I think for, I think for women especially, it's yeah. harder. Um, I think I, I think as you're a woman, you're people are always kind of expecting you to fail yeah. in a certain sort of sense, and so there's so much of a pressure to to live up to That's kind right. of go against those. Um, I think so, so. It's just a bit. It's just a bit yeah. harder to allow that of yourself. And yeah. sometimes when you're so scared of it, you don't allow yourself to take the risk. Yeah. And so for me, so it's true. it's really really important with um, the women that I manage. Yeah. Um, not even just the women that I directly manage, but the the women that I kind of encounter and work yeah. with. 
is just making sure that everyone feels like they're safe. Yeah. And like, you know, it's okay to take a risk and have ambition. Yeah. But just, just remember that, you know, it's, it's not the end of the world yeah. if this thing doesn't work out. Yeah. Um, and I think also one of the things that's, that's really important, I would say for incredibly, incredibly, um, ambitious and especially ambitious women to remember is that if you can't see past your own personal ambition mm. and see kind of and read the dynamic of a group, yeah, you're always going to be looked at as kind of the person who, you know, you know I think our voices in the room tend to be judged a bit harsher. Right. And so yeah. it doesn't, so sometimes if you can't see outside your own personal ambition and the goals and see what's happening in the room, you will be punished harder for it. Right. Yeah. That is true. That is a really good point because I have seen that happen. I've seen that happen to other people and also to myself. And what's also, you know, we touched on it uh, a bit earlier about how really you've got a chance to really change brands and how they influence culture. Um, In what way do you sort of try and use that? So I know like for CoverGirl and that's what you're going to talk about in Cannes. That's kind of what you've, you've yeah. managed to do. Do you want to explain a bit more about that? Yeah. So I think um, in terms of what we're going to talk about, I mean, I think there are so many things that you can say, actually, yeah. about the what we've um, done with CoverGirl and what we've yeah. done in partnerships with our clients and how that's really impacted and shaped the yeah. beauty industry. Um, I think one of the one of the things too. I think I always um, and it's, it's this is something this is something that's also very much I feel the drug away is in terms of the partners too that um, the the brands that we partner with. Yeah. Um, I think it's 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 something you know we we like to look for clients who are very ambitious mm-hmm. um, and clients who very much want to do things differently. Yeah. Um, because for me, I think having a partnership with a client. Yeah is actually that makes all the difference. Oh, absolutely. You know, I think that's yeah. a dream. <laughs> that is a dream. Having having a client who yeah. actually really really very much wants to be a change agent and do phenomenal work and, you know, kind of mm. change a business, um, that actually that's like 99% yeah. of doing great work. And so I think with Covergirl we had Okonwa Ojo yeah. who actually came in and she said I want to do this differently. Um, I've been hired from outside the beauty world. Um, I don't, you know, I'm, there aren't a lot of people like me in this yeah. industry, and I want to I w- I change it. Yeah. And so, that, you know, when we hear something like that for a brand as iconic as CoverGirl, it's like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Yeah, this is amazing. Um, How did you feel when you first got the brief? You must have been like... Yeah, I mean, it's a, it was a huge responsibility. Yeah. But I, I think bet. also, at the same time, the, the clients were so smart. Right. And so I think we, we got briefed and there was a chart in there. It's like, what we're trying to do is we're trying, we're talking about transformational beauty because that's where the market is going. Yeah. It's not easy breezy anymore. No. Most women wear like 14 products on their face that's right. on an average day. And that's not easy to do. And so yeah. we, if we want to modernize this brand and win in market, we have to modernize our message. We have to yeah. modernize our products. And, but what we wanted to not do was lose the equity and the love um, that you have for such an iconic and such, an, uh, such a powerful brand. And so to get to that transform that transformational space, incredibly yeah. play there from a market perspective, they're like, we, 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 we want to be authentic, but we also want to be aspirational. Yeah. And so it was a Venn diagram between those two things. And on the right hand side, you had a photo of a woman who was extremely kind of like glammed up and like with this like really like sultry <laughs> kind of like come hither look. Right. And then on the left, you had a woman with no makeup on, but she was smiling and laughing you know, like Mm. being kind of authentic and true to herself. And so as we actually went through the pitch process and we were trying to bring in swipe that actually paid off that Mm. Venn diagram, the strategy completely paid off what that meant because we built, we built off of that. And we're like, actually that's a tension here Mm. that people don't allow beauty to play in that you can authentically be yourself, but then also be highly aspirational and transformational at the same time. Mm. Because if you believe, um, 
you know, that that women don't put on makeup for themselves or that they're, you know, they only put it on for men. Yeah. Um, then, yeah, of course, you're going to believe, like, you know, yeah. that, that authenticity isn't part of it. And, yeah. that, like, I think anyone who's ever put on makeup knows that isn't true. Um, so we touched on a little bit earlier about vulnerability, which, uh, as we mm-hmm. both agree, is an important thing yeah. to feel. Um, when did you feel like, is there sort of anything specific story that comes to mind, especially at Drogafar? There, there was, I think there was a moment in time for me where I really realized, and I think my boss, even one of my bosses explicitly told me, um, you know, you kind of just sometimes need to be a bit more vulnerable. And I think one of the one of the things for me that was important, I think, was for me to understand that you know it was number one, it was okay to to not always be completely perfect in mm. every single conversation I had with yeah. um, any of my bosses or anyone in management. Um, but also, too, um, that it was actually really important to have myself be humanized yeah. to um, the people who were managing me. Yeah, and it's actually something for me as a manager that I'm very conscious of is the more um, the the people who work for me that one of the, the that move up really quickly that yeah. I notice are different from the people who don't is they're very good at actually humanizing themselves mm. with their superior. And so what becomes really important about that is that you start to understand how people think Mm. a bit more. And I think as you're coaching and mentoring people, especially in something like strategy, you have to understand how people think. Yeah. And I think really having that empathy and really knowing a bit more, like for me, it was something as a manager that was so important, but it was also something for me as someone who was managed very, very, it was something that was really important for me in my progress that I was able to show that too as well. So to be able to, you know, to go into my you know, to be able to talk to things about my boss that weren't just about business. Mm. Like that was actually like a pretty massive, you know, I think it took me three years. Really? Um, Why is that? Did you compartmentalize? This is me at work. This is Katie at yeah. work, Katie at home. Well, cause that's what you're told. Right. You know, that you're, you have your professional life and then yeah. you have your personal life yeah. and they're actually completely, completely separate. And I think, you know, I think also two men and women are socialized. Yeah. Um, you know, from a very, very young age to become separate. Yeah. And so I think as you move through sort of professional circumstances, you know, the men are very easy about relating to each other. Yeah, like they, right. they've been doing it their whole lives and they're the ones who tend to be in positions of power. Yeah. Um, for me, it was always, I don't think I realized this until later. It was always kind of easier for me to talk to Susie or yeah. it was easier for me to talk to Sarah, right. um, who the CEO and the CCO. And then I realized later I was like, oh, because, you know, he, like it's easier for me to see them as people. Yeah. And so for me, it was actually really, it was, it was a very important moment for me to be like how, you know, I think for someone who spends so much time in feminism, it was like, yeah. actually, how do I see the, you know, my three bosses who are men, how do I see them more as humans, mm. you know, and how do they see me more as a human being too, as well, because you're not used to it. Yeah. And I think it's, it's really easy to be like, Oh, you know, it's, they, they don't get me because for X, Y, and Z, it's like, but how have you, you know, how have you spoken and like, idea. how have you like let someone in? Yeah. It's, it's incredibly important. And it's yeah. one of the most, uh, you know, cause management is very much a two way street. Yeah. It's not just about what your role yeah. is as a leader and a manager, but I think also if you're someone who wants to, to learn and someone yeah. who wants to grow, it's also, how do you make the most of yeah. the relationship you have with your manager? Yeah. And vulnerability to me, actually, once I learned that and, um, once I've kind of figured it out and it was, it was actually something that came through me through my, my coach, um, Robert Montgomery. And it was, it was one of the things he said, he's like, you need to go in and just talk. 
mm. about regular things before you ever go into business because it's going to be easier for you to go through. And I was like, that sounds ridiculous. <laughs> I was like, this sounds not true. <laughs> Like, why, like, can we just say, like, why, why can't we talk about the facts? And then, but, and, you know, and I was like, ugh, I was like, fine, all right. I'm going to like, let me give this a bit more of a try. Walk and actually through what happened, because that must've been quite a sight. You're just like, so guys. Yeah. Hey, so how is it? But like the, the other thing too, you authentically have to care. Yes. I think that, that also too, it's like, you can't fake it. You yeah. know, I think if you want to be, if you want to be someone who's inspiring and someone who can, you know, lead people and manage people yeah. to, to get them, you know, to be the most. Uh, you can't you can't fake interest in, no. in someone, and so I think that was actually one of the the harder things I think for me to probably learn is you know, not not completely separating your business self from your personal self, and yeah. kind of understanding that everyone is a person too, mm. and just because you are able to compartmentalize how um, things should happen, and but the, this is what we should do. This is oh, clearly the answer, and just because you can compartmentalize doing that and not you know have personal yeah things, things about you. it, it doesn't mean everybody else can. That's right. Nor does it mean that you probably sh should. You know, yeah. I think it's it's a it's a really important thing to learn as you become more senior. Yeah, and I think on the on the piece of um, vulnerability too, why this was such an important lesson for me to learn was it wasn't just about me personally being vulnerable, but it was also about creating a sense of shared vulnerability in a room. And I think if you work in a creative industry, there there can be no creativity without vulnerability. Yeah. And so for it's you know, a very big point. It's it's it's, it's the most it's the most important thing. Yeah. And so I think you know when when I think to me, in terms of how I write and the things that I do, like I was always quite fearless. You mm. know what I mean? But like every time I go to present, I'm like, oh, it's gonna be wrong. It's gonna be wrong. And like I always, you know, I always feel like it's never gonna, it's it's never gonna be good. It's never gonna be good. I'm always scared. And then oh, I'm like, oh, it's good, and people like it, you know. But like that's, you know, like yeah. just knowing that that's like kind of the nervousness. I think you're not on your own. I mean, yeah. I can definitely <laughs> say that I I always do that. And never be too confident or too arrogant about yeah. it either. I think that's well, also really important. But I'd love to dig into that even more then, because obviously you're gonna be on stage. How many people are gonna watch you? It seats two thousand. Wow. I don't know how many people will go, but it does seat two thousand. Two thousand. And how do you feel about because it's not just you talking, but you're mm -hmm. also um, you know, talking with other people. Oh yes. Oh yes. So you so you have Michelle Lee who is a beauty editor, mm -hmm. um, and then you have um, you know, she's a beauty editor in a culture that doesn't necessarily value beauty in the same way that it values things like sports. Yeah. You have Okanwa Ojo, who's a complete, um, you know, visionary and like huge game changer in the beauty industry. You mm. know, she's someone who's worked so hard, um, you know, to change like what the meaning of beauty yeah. is on such a huge scale. Um, and then you have Issa Rae, who's a, a black female creator. And so what you have in the panel is a, bun is a bunch of women who have an idea and a point of view on the world how they see themselves and how they want other women to be seen. Mm. And so I think it's, it's, I think it's just kind of, I'm not nervous about it so much to say as I am excited. Yeah. You know, I'm also someone who, you know, I think as I look back at my, you know, the experience with CoverGirl, the yeah. strategy and the creative, I think, you know, for me, I'm someone who had a point of view on the world and just ran with it. Mm. And so I think, you know, I just, I want, I, I really I'm, I, I very much believe in what we're talking about. I think all the women on stage yeah. very much believe in what they're talking about. Yeah. I just hope that the people in the audience believe in it too. Yeah. And so do you think because you've got such a belief that the nerves... I think in terms of nerves and, and going into something like this, I think one of the things I remember like a very vividly like remember about my childhood yeah. was you know, I had like all this like crazy dental work. 
and I was getting like teeth pulled out and my dad said, you know, you kind of, you just reminded me of like my father who had, you know, diabetes and he had to get his leg cut off. And he was like, you know, but he, he kind of just accepted it and like never complained and like never felt sorry for himself. He kind of just like went in and did it. And so, you know, like that's kind of just been my personality since like a a very, very young age. I'm like, you kind of just get on with it. Yeah. And, you know, you, you learn things you like, and it's, it's part of the reason why I feel like for me, I've always taken feedback, personal feedback. I think, um, I've always, whether it's in my work or whether it's in my management style or my leadership style, I've always taken it. I've always taken it on and just kind of gotten on with it. Yeah. Um, and so for me, that's how I kind of just think about the panel is like, what are you going to do? Like you signed up for it. (laughs) (laughs) You're a little bit mean to yourself, but in a kind of good way, it looks like it sort of pays off. Yeah. Well, it's like, what what else are you going to do? It's like, what what are you going to get? Like for me, I don't know that it's helpful to agonize over it. I've I've rehearsed for it as much as I can. You know, I feel like I've. Yeah. I've, I've done as much as I possibly can. Absolutely. You know? And did you put yourself forward for it? Or oh, absolutely, yeah. Amazing. I think, yeah, I mean, it kind of definitely, like, it was It was something, yeah, again, as a partnership, it was like, you know, I remember being in Cannes last year, um, I think at, like, a L'Oreal panel, and I know that Ukonnell was there, too, and, and I'm like, you know what, I think we both have the same thought, it's going to be us next year. And so, nice. you know, and then you just, yeah, yeah, talked about it. Mm-hmm. And is that something that you've picked up from your coach or is it always been in your head where if you have an idea you're going to make it happen yeah I think it's that's part of who I am I think I was never I was not I don't think I was ever coached right from a like from like an ambition point of view and I think you know I've I've learned from like a strategic craft perspective you know feedback on writing feedback on ideas like I mean again I think we talked about this that was never something for me that I felt challenged by no um, and, you know, partly too, just because my, my background yeah. and like someone who did a lot of creative writing in, in school, it was, it was actually a skill set and a job that I feel like came quite naturally yeah. um, to me. It doesn't, you know, which isn't to say it, it comes naturally to everyone. Yeah. I, I very much believe that these things can be coached and learned. Um, but I never, I never struggled, I think, with um, the writing of it and the doing of it. I think for me, where I struggled was, was when it became more, um, more senior and more yeah. tenured and clearly like very capable of having ideas, seeing them in the world, seeing them through creative, yeah. like having really great client relationships there. But there was a moment in a very conscious moment where, um, you know, management and leadership at Droga, they were like, you have to make the transition. Yeah. And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> I was like, I've, I've been, I've done this and we've done that. And they're like, no, actually like being senior doesn't mean that you're good at your job as a strategist being senior means that you can lead people on a yeah. vision and be generous to other people in a room and make sure that you're able to actually have a sense of vulnerability in a group. That's and incredible that they, yeah. And it was, it was, it was like an intervention and they were, <laughs> they, they were basically like, Hey, it doesn't matter. They're like, it doesn't matter how like smart you are. Like if you're, if you're in a room and people listen to you and they're like, God, I don't want to hear her talk anymore. You know, like that's like a big, it's a, yeah. it's a massive deal. And no one's going to sit, and no, no one's no gonna one's sit there say. in a room and be like, Hey, for like one second, can you let someone else talk or can you just yeah. like phrase that a little bit more politely so yeah. that these people don't leave defleated? Like no one's going to tell you that. No. Um, and so, but finally, yeah. you know, one day it was just like, Katie, I feel like it's, it's really important for you to know this as you become someone who we think is valuable to the company. Like you have to change. And if you wow. want this, this is what you need to learn. And it was a really, really important moment to me. Cause I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and it was like, you know, but yeah, you know, you don't see it. You're in your, 
you're sort of, yeah. you know, you know where you're going and, and you didn't see it. Yeah, and how I, did I you feel? How did it make, make I was you so, feel? I was actually just confused, to be honest. I was like, what? Confused, <laughs> not hurt, or... No, like, I mean, I, it, wasn't, it wasn't really that. I mean, I'm someone who, like, again, I, for me, feedback and, like, taking yeah. it on and actually absorbing it and learning from it to yeah. me. Like, I feel like if you want to be successful and adapt, like, you have to be adaptive. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, for me, I was like, what? I was just, I was actually just confused. And I, you know, for me, like, again, when I talk about when Susie talked to me about, you have to really actually internalize how it is that you get to strategy and how you write it so that you can teach it to someone else. It was a moment for me. And I think that I've probably internalized since the moment it happened was how did I like realize the things that I had to do to change and like, what were the moments and the realizations? And I think for me, it had never occurred to me that like leadership was not a title; it was a state of mind. Mm. And so, it, you know, it wasn't—it wasn't about the things that you did well and the outputs that you had and the successes that you had on, you know, making strategy, making creative, and then making it seen in the world. It was—it was about much more. I think earlier about scaling yourself, mm. scaling a vision, and then scaling the values of what an agency is. Yeah. And so, you know, for me, it was like it had never occurred to me. No. And um, and I think that's that's really interesting to me. So obviously, uh, I, I'd done my research, uh, sort of wanting to talk to you and find out about your, your story. Um, and what I love about this interview and what I picked up on it is that you could have sort of turned around and said, you know, I want to become the best strategist and this is how I'm going to do it. Yeah. And these are struggles. But what's been uh, beautifully surprising is the fact that actually for you, you want to scale up as a person, mm-hmm. but emotionally and make a, make things better in the world, whether it's through mm-hmm. your creative work, but also through your management. And I yeah. think that's really, really nice. Yeah, that, that's actually my, my leadership um, like style, so to right. say. Um, which is the other thing too. I feel like... Um, I don't know if we had we talked about this, but people very much believe in the same way that people believe strategists are born, which I, I don't think it's true. I've never heard of that. No, there, there's very much oh, she's got it, or like oh, he, he just doesn't have it. There, there, <laughs> there is an element that people do feel like planners are a very specific breed right. of a specific person. Oh, interesting. Um, and I think it's really for me, for someone who also very much strives to have um, diversity and inclusion, be yes. a huge part of um, you know how you know, like bringing, you know, yeah. just bringing different sorts of point of view. Um, it's really important for me to understand that, you know, strategists aren't born, they're made. Yeah. And I think leaders aren't born, they're made in the same way. Yeah. Because if you believe that leaders are only born, they're probably going to look like men only. Mm. And so I think for me, it's, it's really important that people understand, actually, no, leadership is, is a state of being and it's just, yeah. a, it's just, it's a way of thinking. Um, but it's also something that you can cultivate within yourself and yeah. learn. It's a, it's it's a discipline in the same way that strategy is a discipline, that creative is a discipline. But every single person, I feel, also has to come to it in their own way. Oh, absolutely. Because yeah. it must be to 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 be a very good leader, you you must also authentically want to do it. Absolutely. And because people love authenticity in yeah. the same way that they love it in brands, they love it in people. Yeah. And so you have to work out a way, which is which is like I think for me personally, as I look back on my journey. As someone who has a very strong kind of sense of identity, yeah. um, how do you like? How do you scale that? And yeah. then also, how do you change? You know, because mm. it, it was a huge, it was a, it was a huge kind of realization. I was like, I actually have to change the way mm. that I interact with with people that I work yeah. with if I want to do this. And so it was, 
it was not just a, a, a journey into professional leadership. I felt like for me, it was much more of like also a personal yeah, growth journey as well. Because you have to, right? Because you have to start yeah. from yourself. And I think the other thing too, I was I was reading this on HBR, um, Harvard Business Review um, yesterday, just about how CEOs spend their time. And I think if you if you do want to get to that level, your job and who you are mm. at some point, like you, we feel like they should be separate things. But we never, you know, because we always, especially for women, we teach like work-life balance and yes. how they're completely separate. If you if you speak to any woman who's come to a very senior role, I, I yes. just I very vividly remember Wendy Clark speaking at the agency saying. I don't believe in work-life balance. I believe in work-life integration. Mm. And so Absolutely. you have to think of, as you scale up and as you learn, like how do you as a human being feel comfortable doing this? Mm. And so I think it's really important that people don't just look at you know leadership as just like your job life. You also yeah. have to think about what do you take from yourself as a human being and what do you have to change about yourself as a yeah. human being to change for the role? Yeah. Because the reality of it is you're to do and to be on that sort of scale, it requires something of you. Absolutely. And it, yeah. it like oftentimes it does require like an extreme amount of personal growth. Yeah. And I don't think that it's helpful to not recognize that fact mm. and for people to understand that it's not just like one day you get a title. No. It's a huge um, journey and it's, 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 you know, you know, maybe for some people it does come more naturally, but maybe for most people it doesn't. Yeah. It didn't for me. Yeah. And so I just, I just think it's important for people to understand the work that it takes so that they can do the work to get there yeah. and so that people don't just shut down and be like, it's not for me. Yeah. No, it's absolutely right. And, and where do you think you are on that journey? I think for, in terms of where I am on that journey, I'm still learning. I yeah. think there, I have, so, you know, I think the, the other thing too, it's like, again, being like vulnerable and, you know, ready, you know, being okay to fail. I think when you're, when you're learning this and you're doing and you're learning your style, and this probably never changes, I think, when you get into like a C-suite level. Oftentimes, you're rolling a dice. Mm. And because you can't, you have to basically, you have to understand that you're trying to have an output of the way that you're, you're trying to push people yeah. forward in a group toward a shared goal. But you never know. Because mm. people, um, people are very complicated. Yeah. And then you, you try to inspire and push. And oftentimes, people come back with things that amaze you. Mm. that you never would have thought would happen. And then other times it's not as, it's not as easy. Yeah. And so, but the thing is, is that you always have to roll the dice yeah. because you can't, you can't micromanage. You can't force people into an idea. You have to, what you have to do is basically set up the best sort of situations and environments for people to be their best. And mm. it, you, you actually relinquish so much of a, a sense of control. Yeah. And being comfortable with that, yeah, it's, you know, it's you know, not not having certainty over the future. I think is one of the hardest things that human beings deal with. Yeah, that's and right. as a leader, that's all you deal with. Yeah, and so I think you know, you learn it every day. It's like, and you learn sometimes these things work, and sometimes these things don't. Yeah, and so it's a roll of the dice every single yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, especially if you're going to bring new people in, and it's you know, they're they're. They come with different yeah. baggages, etc. But I think also too, like very consciously changing myself, mm. like the way from the way that I speak with people, from you know having more face to face to the way, even to the way that you write emails, yeah, or to the emails that you do write, and like making sure that people get recognized for the things that they're doing, and just like you know watching for certain sorts of things. It just opens, so you know. True. But you have to understand that you go through a journey, yeah, and that it's okay. And as you go through it, you experiment, and some yeah. things work, and some things don't, and it's okay when they don't. Um, wow, I feel like we could do like 
three other podcasts on all the things that we discussed. Thanks so much for really um, delving into all these different topics. But also, I guess, because that's the main theme, I feel, of Mm -hmm. this podcast is sharing that sort of vulnerable side because... You know, not many people are willing to do that. So yep. thank you so much. Uh, yep. I think on just one note, one yeah. thing I, w- I do, because I think you asked, what, is there anything else you want to say? I think one I think one thing that's actually super important for, I think the theme of the podcast that you're doing is for, I think for women to, um, to for women to remember that there aren't a ton of us who have gotten to this, to this yeah. place. And I think for, for women who do get to a certain, um, you know, level of seniority, I think to always remember you have a responsibility to teach other mm. women because we don't have the same sorts of networks and we don't have the same sorts of assumptions yeah. that men do. And I think it's incredibly important that we recognize that and that we share what our journeys are and that we also cultivate within the women that we manage relationships together with each other because men have their networks. Mm. I feel like we should have ours. And I think that women need to prioritize that yeah. in order for us to really kind of, you know, see a different vision absolutely well, and the responsibility of it i feel like a lot i feel it's so easy to just get kind of bogged down in the day-to-day but i think for all women to understand the responsibility whether you're at the lowest level or at the highest level i, I couldn't agree more and i guess that's also why uh i started this podcast because yes. i am all about sharing women's journeys yes so that we can all sort of learn from one another as much as possible and everyone everyone has got a great story to tell mm-hmm. and it's hard out there so yeah. let's share it and i think for younger women too to, to listen yeah you know it's so it's so easy to be like oh i don't need to just only yeah. hear a woman like a woman's voice like men are just as good i think actually you should yeah. as a young woman if any any of the young women who are listening yeah if anything i would have done differently it would have been definitely to make sure that i always suck out yeah. um female mentorship because you have a different path yeah. Than the men that you work within the men that you work with, and you should always be cognizant of that. You, yeah. I think we would like to believe that it's not true, but it that we do have the same opportunities and the same chances, but we don't. Yeah. And so I think it's incredibly important for young women to recognize that and seek out the mentorship and seek out um, podcasts like this so that they can learn. <laughs> that is so true, and it's a good uh, place to start. So thank you very much, thank Katie. You. Such a pleasure. Good luck for the talk on Friday. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of This Way Up. Please look out for more empowering interviews in the weeks to come. If you'd like to know more or want to receive the podcast straight to your inbox, go to www.thiswayup.io. Or you can also show your support by following This Way Up on Instagram. Exact links in the show notes. But that's it from me. Until next time.